You're listening to the Imperfect Allies Podcast. This is Chris. Today, we're going to have an amazing conversation about allyship, resilience, and what makes new allies get started. Hope you enjoy this candid intro with me and Rich before we introduce you to Buck Davis. Enjoy. Alrighty, Imperfect Allies. I'm Chris. I'm Richie. And today we're going to have a, a very special guest. This is a good friend of mine, and we go way back in the DNI diversity space. His name is Buck Davis. He's a speaker, an entrepreneur, a trainer, and a consultant. And he's been working on diversity and inclusion for a very long time. And I'm just so excited to have him on. But before, like always, we are going to have our Imperfect conversation and then uh, just kind of get into it. So Buck today, he wants to come on and he wants to kind of discuss, you know, resilience and the quality mm. in which you have to be as a person to walk into these spaces and be open and, you know, have candid conversations, but also be resilient at the same time. And yeah. he's been very focused on empathy and different aspects of the allyship process. Mm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just really excited for our listeners to get to hear from somebody who who has been educating people in this space for over 10 years, you know, and yeah. um, this is just going to be really really beneficial episode that's awesome man yeah i mean i think that's perseverance is a huge part of i think individual and collective success right it's that knowing when to uh, i'd be curious to talk to him about um you know people think being uh persistent means that you never take a break or you never stop or you never rest you just right. always 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 and i wonder what his what his answer would be to that um because um because i think a lot of my persistence comes from the ability to um i'm not great at it but the ability to start saying i, I got too much on my plate i can't mm. do you know that because used to be yes to everything yeah and you know i was exhausted all the time and now it's yes to most things <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm still pretty tired, but that's you know I need to be wor- I need to be working out too, so that there's some energy there. And I mean, you know, we, we talk right. about this a lot. At my company Axiom, you have to be in a healthy space to do service for others, right? Yeah. If if you don't have your own physical health taken care of, if you don't have your own mental health, if you're not getting good sleep, yep, you can't be an ally. And so that's what I love about Imperfect Allies is because so much of our focus goes on our own allyships, livelihood, like we. Uh, as an ally, if you're listening to this because you want to be there for others, we want to be there for you so that mm-hmm. you can be there for others. And mm-hmm. that requires you to be healthy and take care of yourself. And if extending yourself has is, has negative effects or detriments, you got to take that time off. You know, it mm-hmm. doesn't make you a bad ally because you're doing that restorative practice so that you can go out and be more efficient when you have the energy. So, Absolutely. you know, that I, I love that you kind of said that is the persistence and the dedication. It doesn't mean 24 seven around the clock. That that doesn't diminish your allyship if you need rest or if you take time off for your family because those are the things that rejuvenate you. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't do psychedelics, but there is this concept in the psychedelic <laughs> community. I don't, but um, I aspire to one day. But uh, uh, no, um, but there's this idea of integration. So when they have a, you know, when they have this thing that's happened and they, you know, it, it's crazy talk. You know, not crazy, but like it's wild talk, right? Like all this stuff it's happens wild. to them. And and they don't do they don't you know people that are like psychonauts or whatever that do this uh, regularly they don't do it the next day or the next week or even the next month sometimes they have to sit and let those things lay and I know that's mm-hmm. kind of an extreme example but that's what this work has been for me like is to you know there was a time where every day I was watching two and three documentaries while reading a book while listening to a podcast <laughs> you know yeah. like trying to just get all this stuff downloaded and I think I found more of my rhythm where as I integrate this stuff into my life, it becomes part of my daily routine versus like trying to play this game of catch up. And I think a lot of people may deal with that, like deal with that idea like, oh, man, I got a lot of work to do, so I might as well do this catch up thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious what Buck will say about that for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to share with our listeners how I even got to know Buck. Mm. So um, when Trayvon Martin's murder happened and I made a video called Black Does Not Equal Fear released it to YouTube. It did this fairly well on YouTube, right? This is you know, early that. days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that was really exciting time. And 
I have a little bit of my dad in me of just trying to make things happen. Mm-hmm. And I heard of this guy who he was on the news and he was uh, he was in a panel with Don Lemon. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, OK, I, I you know what? I'm going to reach out to this guy and just <laughs> see what happens. You never know. And so right. I, I reached out to him, found his in- information, emailed him the video and said, hey, this is a space I want to learn more about. I'm really interested in, you know, can we meet and network? And then to my surprise, he was like, of course, you know, I actually have a uh, an interview with Katie Keurig coming up. I'll be in New York. Uh, you should come. <laughs> oh, wow. I was like, yeah, I'll okay. be there. Yeah. And so um, I paid my way, flew out there, and it, it was one of the most amazing weekends I've ever had in my life, being in mm-hmm. New York, being on the Katie Keurig studio. Let's see. Oh, okay. Buck is calling in. Let's make sure this works. Happy Friday, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going? Is this how we're supposed to do it? Yeah, you're in here. Yes. That's it. Okay. All right. I was trying to get in and I'm like, how does this work? So (laughs) forgive me if I interrupted something. Did I interrupt anything? We just have a natural imperfect conversation before all our guests. The title of our show is Imperfect. So, you know, it goes along with it. (laughs) (laughs) imperfect allies Mm -hmm. clumsy colleagues Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's all in the same vein right yes exactly clumsy colleagues i love it we're gonna take that friends i could say a few other things that kind of rhyme with my name (laughs) exactly exactly well the the first i was gonna say yeah the first question we ask buck is uh tell us a little bit about yourself how did how did uh, all the things fall in line for you to be here today Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm mm-hmm Well, I have been in the diversity and inclusion space for 22 years. This is my 22nd year in business. So I do lots of diversity and inclusion training and speaking. And then about 10 years ago, I started studying happiness and positivity. Mm. And then about two and a half years ago, I had the great fortune of a client asking me to dig into the topic of resilience. Mm. And so then I dove into that. And that's sort of kind of how the career has progressed from the content standpoint and how I've gotten here today. I heard a little bit of Chris telling the story where he saw me on CNN Mm. and I extended an invitation for him to join me at the Katie Couric show, which I did not even get to appear on. We were on the way to the studio in a limo and I got a call from the executive producer saying, you've been bumped. We've Ah. got too many people today. And if we can fit you in, then so be it. You're on. But if not, we're going to treat you like rock stars and y'all be in audience and we had a great time anyway Mm -hmm. we had a wonderful time anyway that's awesome it was good it was good well it's good they treat you like rock stars because when you get bumped in comedy they they don't (laughs) oh they don't sit down (laughs) yeah oh yeah they were very kind to us that's awesome that absolutely turned out to be one of the best weekends of my life wow that's cool definitely for me too it was awesome yeah this guy we had not even met before and he Mm -hmm. flew uh to new york Mm -hmm. uh to hang out with me and then he met up with a couple of friends you traveled with a couple of friends too right um yeah uh, my best friend flew after me um because mm-hmm. he had he hadn't been in new york either and so uh he mm-hmm. came in the next day um but mm-hmm. it was just really amazing just to be well when i was starstruck right just mm-hmm. being in that atmosphere mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um seeing just buck how you went from you know diversity and inclusion to being on the forefront and helping other people grow in these spaces that that was such a, a powerful kind of idea of a career that had never even conceptualized mm-hmm. before and mm-hmm. I was just very moved by the whole experience and mm-hmm. j- I didn't know people were so kind you were so kind to just allow this random kid who reached <laughs> out to you to kind of go on this adventure oh. and explore so thank you oh yeah yeah well thank you I appreciate that it was a it was an honor for you to reach out and uh, there was just something special about you because I don't you reached out on Twitter and I had gotten I'd been on CNN a bunch in a series of months and I'd gotten lots of, you know, direct contacts, <clears throat> direct um, messages, some nice, some not so nice. Sure. I can imagine. <laughs> sure. And yours was just one of the kind ones. So I'm like, well, let me return this guy's text or message and we'll see where it goes. Uh, so that's part of the work that I've been doing. And I really got into it, Richie, if you want to know how it started, mm. I was in, I have an MBA and I have a master's in counseling. Okay. And when I was getting that master's in counseling, I was involved in a gender 
equity study that was happening at Georgia Tech because okay. Georgia Tech was having a hard time keeping females in their engineering program. Wow. They would have something like 200 their freshman year. And by the time it got to be their junior year, the number had drastically reduced. Wow. So the National Science Foundation got involved and they're like, what's happening here? Mm -hmm. Can these women not cut it or is there something else going on? Mm -hmm. So they positioned us students in the back of the classrooms to watch how women and men were treated. And what we found is that when a guy would say 20, 20, 20 plus 20 is 40, the professor would go, oh, that's right. I'm so glad you're here, Chris. And the voice would go up and he would get a point and a smile mm. and uh, a nod and maybe even a compliment. And when the females would respond, the professor might say something like, thank you and move on. Wow. So that was my first introduction to micro inequities. Wow. Mm. And what I realized is that, wow, my unconscious beliefs about you mm -hmm. can influence your career. Wow. Like something that I'm not even aware of because the professors didn't even know they were doing this. Mm -hmm. They were just falling sure. into this unconscious bias. Yeah. And it was having a real impact. So women were bowing out of the program. They could cut it. But they were like, one, I'm one of a few in here and I'm not feeling it. And I'm not really getting the same type of recognition that other people are getting in the class. So I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been a fairly sensitive guy. Mm -hmm. I want people to be treated kindly. So that sort of just opened this door to the whole unconscious bias field. Wow. And it's wow. just gotten more and more interesting and sometimes depressing sure. at the same time. Sure. I mean, I think that that's why it's been important for me to do the resilience work yeah. because the race stuff, the inclusion stuff, the diversity stuff has been so heavy over mm. the years. I'm like, whoa, all right, I can't take this all the time. Right. And Chris Beasley, as a black guy, you may be saying you can't take it as a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized there's, you know, privilege in what I'm saying. Yeah. But I'm like, this is so heavy. I've got to do something to counter this. Right. And that's where the happiness and positivity and resilience stuff came in wow. and it's been a real gift yeah yeah that's what we were talking a little bit about the resilience piece and um you know there's a lot to talk about so trying to we, we try to stay in one lane but we generally jump that's just how <laughs> yeah, it is how these okay. things go because it's so there's so much stuff that's connected right uh mm -hmm. but but with resilience do you find that people have this idea of resilience as i'm always going i'm always forward never stop all, don't rest you know that that level of persistence and 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 not mm -hmm. do you do you find when you talk about it do people give themselves a place to rest and pull back and or do they Heal. just the idea is the idea like oh we got to keep going don't stop kind of thing well the idea around resilience is being able to bounce back through setbacks mm -hmm. and push through challenges mm -hmm. and handle adversity and my belief is come through on the other side with some level of positivity and optimism and optimism mm -hmm. so it's not a light about forging head constantly right <laughs> It's about how do you buoy yourself as you navigate life's challenges because the, the negative stuff depletes our positive emotions. Mm -hmm. So there's research that says if we move through the world looking for the good, they call it prioritizing positivity. If you look for the good and take notice of it mm -hmm. constantly, then there are all of these positive effects. Mm -hmm. And how, how good are y'all at looking for the good? So we even got, in a very trying year. So we got it, man. Chris, tell them. <laughs> Well, so uh, I've got, from my father, so this all fits perfectly with our last episode because my dad mm -hmm. is a type of person who is oblivious to the negative. It's just like oh, yeah. a gift that he has. Mm -hmm. And um, so for the microaggressions that he is facing in his career, mm -hmm. he missed them. He didn't even see them. Mm -hmm. And and so um, he was able to solely look for the micro progressions, the things mm -hmm. to tell him to keep going in that the direction. The affirmations, yeah. micro affirmations, yes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Do you think that he honestly didn't see them or he didn't say they I see them, but they're not about me? So the way he spoke to it was he was confused. Anytime someone was negative towards him, he was confused on why yeah. they were yeah. treating him that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that has nothing to do with what I'm doing that. Yeah. You're missing the point. So I think yeah. maybe they're confused versus yeah. it being an insult to himself. No. 
It reminds me of the movie that Amy Schumer starred in, I Feel Pretty. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. remember that? Did you see it, Richie? I have not. Where I'm she's not. barreling through the world, kind of a thick girl, but mm -hmm. she feels like she's really skinny. Yeah. And she just don't even get why other people um, aren't seeing what she sees. So it's almost like he's just like, I, and I, I love that about your dad, where he's just like, this is not about me. Yep. This is really about you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah. He has a, he really does have a gift. He has a gift mm -hmm. because research says, and I believe this, that we have a negativity bias built into our brain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fact is, bad is stronger than good. Mm. You know, as human beings, we take in the negative stuff, we absorb it, we carry it, it lingers, it's heavy. Mm -hmm. So it takes more of the good stuff to balance out the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And you've experienced this, you've probably been sailing through your day, uh, <laughs> getting your goals accomplished, and you get one negative text from a friend. Yeah. And it starts you spinning. Mm -hmm. I, I tell this story quite often in my, uh, I do a virtual keynote called Positively Resilient, where I was doing a keynote in Boston about five years ago and I had 200 people in the room and I put a, a comment card in everybody's seat because I wanted feedback <laughs> and um, had a picture of myself four questions something like what you like uh, what do you want him to speak more about is there something he touched on that you would like to learn more about and then the fourth question was have Buck back check yes or no mm. very brave questions yeah. <laughs> i will never do that again <laughs> 187 people filled out that comment card and one person checked no and it mm. crushed me wow. for five days wow yeah 186 check yes and i focused on the one no yeah so that's how negativity bias can really um thwart our happiness and our positive emotions so the fact that your dad is sort of unaffected by that smaller stuff when some of the smaller stuff will really just kind of knock our light out it's really impressive it's yeah. really impressive and in stand-up we have it's the same kind of sensation is there's one person not laughing in the room and a, a stand-up comedian can fixate on that person and tank the rest of the show because they're yes. trying to break that one person yes 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 <laughs> I was doing, a, I did a keynote this week with a new client and we had almost 500 people on the line. Wow. And then some people started dropping off. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, okay, there are people dropping off. What does that mean? What's wrong? And uh -oh. I'm like, stop it, stop yeah. it, get out of it. I have no yeah. idea. They have to go pick up their kid. They could be hungry or they may not like me. So get out of your head when the number starts going down. So you're exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, for, for our imperfect allies that are listening, right, I, I can only imagine the times where, you know, your allyship is in question on, even if it's valid, if it's weak, if it's if it's substantial, right? And mm -hmm. those negative occurrences can make you want to tap out. I know, Rich, you have shared personally that on your journey to allyship, people have questioned your morals or questioned your sure. intent and, and challenged you. And it, it makes you want to say, hey, let me step back. Let me, this isn't my space. <laughs> you know, let yeah. me leave this Absolutely. to someone yeah. else. Yes. Well, or you could be trying to be an ally and mm -hmm. totally derail and then you offend a mm -hmm. person of color mm -hmm. or whoever you're trying to be an ally for and then you're like wait a minute mm, you know what uh i'm gonna bow out yeah. because i didn't do it perfectly right and you, you focus on that negative mm. attempt right uh, or the failure and you you step out of it so that's a really good way to look at it mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, like it's been it's been messy, and it's been messy pretty like well, I say pretty publicly on the show. Like <laughs> I've misstepped, and that's part of the show is that you know when we um, when we make a mistake or misstep or whatever else, like try to address it with the people that are there, or try to yeah. Chris and I to try to hash it out and discuss it, um, you know, in in sort of real time if we can. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely made those mistakes where I thought I thought I was doing everything I was asked to do, mm -hmm. and I just made a one, you know, I made a, you know, one one wrong thing, and it kind of really, you know, hurt people. And I'm like, oh man. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. and then and then I've even gotten, you know, people that have been sort of hateful toward me, and that's like, well, what am I? I mean, you, can't I, you win. know, you just you yeah. <laughs> throw your hands up. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, right. I, I think I think if I allow myself to feel that way and not try to fight that feeling, yeah, uh, for me that was really helpful. Uh, I didn't have to talk about it. I didn't have to post on social media. I didn't have to, yeah. you know, or talk about it, you know, publicly. I could just talk about it with friends and family, <clears throat> mm -hmm. and and sort of sit with those emotions and 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 uh, get feedback. And because you know, reality is not just in here. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. <laughs> I know for mm-hmm. me that has, mm-hmm. uh, I have to do that a lot, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so for sure mm-hmm. it can be difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you speak to a fear that so many white people have. Mm-hmm. So I do this, I co-facilitate this virtual keynote called Race Resilience and the Role of Being an Ally. Mm-hmm. And it's really a beautiful thing because I, I actually think this virtual environment is helping more people be vulnerable mm-hmm. talking about these issues. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we'll get in chat and we'll ask people, you know, what do you want other people to know mm-hmm. right now? What are you going through? And and so many white people will, will chat in that we want to help, but we don't know how. And mm-hmm. then the other one that comes up is, and I don't want to offend anybody. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to offend anybody. So people just stay quiet. Mm-hmm. They don't know how right. to ask, how are you doing? And how are you, what's your experience right now? So it keeps many people from even being courageous enough to start having this conversation. If we're focusing on race. Right. Yeah. It's so scary for a lot of white people. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I mean, I would say, yeah. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> We've seen that, and and um, what we love about our show is we really try and speak to that imperfection. You know, it's not going to look great, and you're going to make bumps and bruises along the way. And mm-hmm. even with my dad's episode, I mean, he's been black his whole life, but mm-hmm. learning blackness, learning the culture, he had to do that. I've had to do that. Right? We're all learning each and every day, and so it, it does take that that vulnerability to step in there and just be open about, hey, I don't have this down, and I, I yeah. want to learn more. Um, so I'm yeah. I'm willing to be here. And show up. And well, when I was gonna real, say, I was gonna say real quick too. Also, like you know, when you come to f- people that um, say, like I came to a you know, black people, black person, and they don't want to do that, that is a hundred percent okay. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another oh, thing yeah. that I've seen. Like people are like, well. <laughs> I talked to the black lady at work and she doesn't want to talk to me about this. Yeah. 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 Black people, black people are tired of educating us. white yeah, Exactly. People. Exactly. Yeah, I'll tell, exactly. I'll yeah. tell white folks on these um, big sessions. I went, don't run to the black person who's in your office or who's in your zoom and ask them a million questions about uh, everything you want to know. If you have that type of relationship, sure. You can do that, but pivot towards your own white colleagues first process mm. that first. Yeah, and build relationships with people of color where mm-hmm. you can, yep. Yep. you know, ask those questions. Invite them to dinner first, right? Maybe that's the, <laughs> that's the, yeah. You know, like let's co- totally. and, you know, go to a church cookout or something exactly. together versus, exactly. yeah. I yeah. think the real challenge is is how do you how how do you get people to care enough to want to be an ally? Mm. Yeah, mm. that is that is what I'm I'm constantly struggling with is mm. how do I get people to care enough about the plight of other people's suffering mm-hmm. to where they do want to fumble and try to figure out how to support people. Yeah. It um it plagues me. Well, I, know, I know for me, I mean, Chris, I mean, you, but well, I mean, I know, go ahead, man, go ahead. Well, I, I know on our journey, we've been running into the consistent theme that, that if I'm an ally to someone else, I really am an ally to myself because it's us, it's all of us together. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's really interesting just because um, we had uh, we've had so many people on our show that have different plights and that different labels, different things that they mm-hmm. would need allyship for. Mm-hmm. And how much that matches up with me, even if, you know, their plight's not about race. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one of our guests, he, he was gay and comedian and coming out. And he said that when he came out, there were people who had just lost their family members and they felt a connection. Right. It, and so, like, mm-hmm. the label isn't necessarily where we're being allies all the time. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes just another human being that is going through a loss or going through mm-hmm. um, not having to live up to ex- expectations of themselves. And so lending yes. lending that connection of saying, hey, you know what will really what where you're really being an ally is helping other people know that the expectations of them aren't what they're supposed to be the stereotypes that they have we all have some stereotype that we're supposed to fit in and you can be an ally to that process versus yeah. race or sexuality or other things yeah, yeah. you remind me of uh, a study that i love where these researchers had people estimate the elevation of a hill basically how steep the hill is mm. they had some people standing with a friend they had some people standing alone and when they tallied the results the people who were standing with a friend estimated the hill to be less steep than the people who were standing by themselves Whoa. alone <laughs> alone wow. the hill appeared harder mm-hmm. to climb mm-hmm. wow we are 
we're not here to climb alone. Yeah. We're here to build relationships with people. Yeah. And it is the number one indicator of bouncing back from adversity is relationships. You wow. don't have to have 4,000 Facebook friends. <laughs> you don't have to have a huge following, but we have to have, you know, strong social connections mm -hmm. with a few people. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what I, I believe with all wow. my heart. And I think being an ally is part of that human to human connection. Yeah. Regardless of what vulnerability you may be experiencing. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it reminds me too of uh, kind of what brought me what brought me to allyship is um, uh, I've been I don't know like the last three or four years really trying to connect with uh, indigenous thinking, um, in trying to to learn the lessons that are almost obliterated, right? Mm. And one of the things that I saw was um, when say the the chief of the Cherokee or or any any tribe when they do a public speak they say hello relatives mm -hmm. and they say hello relatives to white people black people mm -hmm. Latinx mm -hmm. I mean everybody and that idea mm -hmm. that we um, you know we are all connected in, in in this particular way and then with that sort of in me and that's been internalized I think a, a lot yeah. and seeing seeing uh, the murder of George Floyd, I, I, mm. I sort of finally saw my brother, my cousin mm. dying. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's kind of like, oh, I don't know why those things were, I mean, because it's happened before and it's happened for a long time, but yeah. I had just not seen it. And Chris and I hashed yeah. it out a little bit, but I just was, I, for me, I was conditioned to not to sort of ignore it, you know, like race sure. wasn't really a thing and, and yeah. it, it was, it was over with, racism was over with and that kind of thing. Yeah. But that relationship piece was, was when I realized you and I are connected, Chris and I are connected and we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're relatives in some way. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you, know. you and so many other white people mm -hmm. um, around the world mm -hmm. woke up mm -hmm. that day. Mm -hmm. And there's this, this interesting response to many of us waking up because from my experience in these classes over the last year, people are, are grateful that many of us have woken up. And then there's also, from my experience, this bitterness mm -hmm. of like, we've been telling you mm -hmm. and we've been talking about this. Yeah. And why did it take that to wake all you up? Chris Beasley? Yeah, that's, and the, the hardest part about that, because I, I, I understand both so well. And the, the, the only thing that I can share is now I am, a, I am now awake to an ideology that I didn't know existed. And that mm -hmm. was through this process of mm -hmm. the siloing, the individualization of life and just mm -hmm. being who you are on your own. I didn't mm -hmm. have that experience. I, I'm, I'm known to be collective and we're all united and it's us yeah. in a lot of ways. And so it's so easy to be blind to these things when we we all have our own um, indoctrination of, you know, whatever way we were brought up. And so I, I didn't know why it was so hard for white people to understand like, hey, we've been saying this. We've been saying this for so long. What yeah. does it take? That was yeah. that was yeah. a visceral pain. And I it yeah. Couldn't explain it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's when the phone really started ringing. Yeah. Is when that footage hit and corporations were calling going, hey, we have really got to talk about this mm -hmm. and we don't know how. Right. And I'm like, well, let me see what I can do because I've been doing unconscious bias training for many, many years, but mm -hmm. this was not a time to start talking about unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. This was a time to talk about healing and resilience. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple of wonderful uh, female friends. Uh, one is named Spirit, you may know her. She's a, a host on an Oprah Winfrey on the Oprah Winfrey Network, and she also is a PhD. And then there's another woman that I know named Gloria Cotton that I've worked with for 25 years. And we put together this content around okay, so how do we talk about the experience that people are having, mm -hmm. the concerns, and the weight that are on black, specifically black people's yeah, shoulders right. around this? Right. And I'm I'm just saying black people today. It's really anybody who's feeling oppressed, but mm -hmm. that. That was centered around the experience of African Americans. But then we don't want to just sit there and, and stay there. We've got to give people some tools on how to, to, to move forward mm -hmm. without feeling so um, exhausted and exacerbated. Yes. So that's where yep. the resilience piece came in. And then everybody's, the white people going, well, how can I help? How can I help? And that's where the ally piece came in. And mm -hmm. it's been a phenomenal experience. One that I think has created some sense of healing mm -hmm. um, in, in 
roughly 90 minutes, which you can do in 90 minutes on a Zoom call. It's been, yeah. it's been yeah. really well, well received. So over 20 years. So, I mean, you've seen you've seen a lot of this stuff. What's different about now? I mean, what, what do you think is different? If, uh, just people waking up? I mean, you know. Uh, what's different about now? So I'll admit, I played it safe for many years. Oh, sure. In, in the inclusion uh, world. Okay. Uh, we talked about race and we talked about, we talk about all dimensions of diversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, the race dimension is one that you treaded lightly on. Sure. Because sometimes just mentioning or defining race, mm-hmm. just defining race would have some white people go on, yep. what is happening? I mean, they would just get unnerved. Wow. Yep. And, and so wow. it really, it was really, it's been fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we would talk about it and we would give examples. But when George Floyd was murdered, that's when more corporations were willing to have a more real conversation about race Interesting. Okay. in the business context than I've ever had before. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the corporate, the corporate piece of, you know, that's not, we don't vote for, we don't, it's just part of uh, our Society. way of life here. Uh, that's interesting. When they got involved, things, things are different. Is that hearing that well, right? Well, yeah, because yeah. they saw the pain mm-hmm. that black people were in mm. and the frustration and the agony. Mm-hmm. And then we saw the video and we we're like, well, wait a minute, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That is wrong. Right. So, and, so what I'm hearing is that the, or what I'm interpreting is the pandemic was a time where everyone was kind of stopped and frozen so more mm-hmm. eyes were on this situation because mm-hmm. to me george floyd is no different than any of the others but mm-hmm. it sounds like it was more visceral because maybe mm-hmm. more people experienced it for the mm-hmm. first time and mm-hmm. i i am I, i'm not shocked but hearing it when you said it of when you brought up race prior it would turn people away of like oh where is this going this is about to be radicalized this is not what i'm about yeah. that and that i guess is hard for black people to understand is that mm-hmm. that was the that is the the first response from white people historically mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. hey this mm-hmm. is this is going down a, a road that i don't want to hear about mm-hmm. is there is there just now more empathy or is that individualism being broken down i'm i'm mm-hmm. curious how how you've seen mm-hmm. the change with the patrons mm-hmm. i i think it's probably more empathy and more compassion. Hmm. Yeah. When you see someone get the life crushed out of them yeah. on a video mm-hmm. and you're home alone mm-hmm. in your house due to a pandemic, mm-hmm. possibly all of those contributing factors, because you are right. We had seen stuff like we had heard and seen elements of that before, but maybe it was the context of that video mm. where it wasn't just a snapshot. It was a It was the feature film where you couldn't deny it. And Mm -hmm. since I was telling my best friend who's African-American, I'm like, it is so hard to try to get to explain to white people uh, the concept of racial inequity when we most of the time don't even think about our race. But yet every aspect of our life is informed around race. Mm. But because we haven't experienced it like people of color have, it's just, it is, it's a very challenging um, dynamic Mm -hmm. uh, experience to get white people to go, oh, wait, this is, this is really something I need to be paying attention to. Yeah. Right. Uh, Yeah. It's challenging. Right. And one of the things that we ran into is, uh, and me personally, was the idea of white guilt or, you know, in the place for that. And um, I, I learned very quickly from uh, reading and from friends that, you know, they weren't really interested in me like breaking down and apologizing and all like mm-hmm. this, this big sort of emotional thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was it that that wasn't really what was interesting to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're not really worried about your pain today. Yeah, Gigi. yeah, yeah. You know, or your guilt or your tears. Right. <laughs> and and some people were more empathetic than others or sympathetic than others and stuff like that. But I, I mean, I, I really, once I got that, I was like, you're right. You're right. I mean, it, at least in my, in my experience, it felt, it felt right because, um, you know, my job is to be, um, to be an ally and not be a, a further emotional burden on someone else. Yeah. Now we share emotional, Chris and I are beginning to share emotional burdens as we become friends and become yeah. closer, but that's a different thing than mm-hmm. like... <laughs> I want to help this marginalized, what I you know see as marginalized group or mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. So 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I'm curious, Richie, um, what was pivotal that made you go, I want to be a better ally, I'm more concerned now, because that moment right there mm-hmm. is a very special moment. What um, it was, my brothers and sisters are dying, and I benefit. Hmm. I There is a, it could be passive, it could be active, but I benefit in some way from this system. Mm-hmm. And that was, I could not... I couldn't hold that anymore. Mm. So there are parts of parts of that process where I wanted to burn the system down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because maybe that's the answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But that's, that's, that, that was the pivotal moment for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you think about you wanting to burn the system down, mm-hmm. think about the generation, magnify that mm-hmm. exponentially. Mm-hmm. And, and we ought to be able to get a sliver of understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, I um, tell a story about, walking to a Hertz rental um, bus one morning and the bus pulled off as we were walking up because they're on a schedule. They mm-hmm. have to go to the airport. Mm-hmm. And there was a white guy dressed in a beautiful suit. He was so angry that that bus left him that he took his luggage and slammed it up against the back of the bus. Wow. And I thought, all right, he is that angry about a bus leaving us. <laughs> How must people of color feel yeah. all the time? Mm. All the time. Yeah, the anger is high and i yeah. i had this conversation because unfortunately unrest comes out of these situations and when the uh, after george floyd murder we saw a lot of unrest and things caught on fire and rioting started and things of that mm-hmm. nature and mm-hmm. so many people reached out to me because i i posted on facebook if you don't understand why they why this is happening then you don't understand my frustrations like you just uh-huh. you're, you're missing yeah. it completely and i had yeah. so many people reach out because they're like but why are they burning things down like the doesn't make sense and it yeah it's the sense of you are you've been so angry about this thing because george floyd is like on a list of names it's yeah. not mm-hmm. like george floyd isn't right this just happened and right. you know communicating that was difficult for me to communicate it not because i was enraged but the mm-hmm. concept was hard to for people to understand and mm-hmm. that blew my mind because this whole time i thought people were seeing what i saw you know when mm-hmm. when trayvon mm-hmm. martin was murdered that was my kind of moment of saying oh my god that kid is just like me i can't believe people yeah. are okay with this and yeah. i you people are naturally good so there or you know that's how i've interpreted it so there's something else that's blocking that desire to be an ally and you know rich you mentioned that you noticed your brothers and sisters were dying but i don't even know how you saw them as your brothers and sisters like how did you get there yeah yeah that's a great i mean and i i think i think the key to that is going back to what i was talking about before about the uh, sort of indigenous thinking about the world mm. if a um colonized people that were completely wiped out um, in some cases or down to very small numbers they've, they've been relegated to reservations uh, there's a higher poverty rates higher crime I mean there's just like you know victimizations of crime just all kinds of awful things and they can stand in in, uh, in the say the Senate floor and go hello relatives like mm-hmm. that connection mm-hmm. that they're not disowning they're not they're not saying that you're my enemy mm-hmm. um, when when clearly they have been mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. That to me just set something right in my head about it. Mm -hmm. Like at least I feel like it's right. You know, it also has gotten me a little bit in trouble because people think that I, uh, because I see someone as not an enemy, I I am be I am permissive, Mm -hmm. and that's not that's Mm -hmm. a whole different. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not the case. Mm-hmm. But but people here love your enemies, and you know, or I have no enemies, and they're like, you 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 don't know what's going on. You don't feel mm-hmm. the anger I feel something. and everything else. Yeah, yeah you're missing something. What's wrong yeah. with you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really what they're saying. Something's yeah, wrong with you. Sure, sure. Um, and I, I mean, I'll I'll uh, acquiesce to that. that. I mean, like, <laughs> or whatever. Like that's <laughs> that could be. It could be. <laughs> You know, absolutely, it could be something wrong. But uh, well, that's them not really wanting to talk about solving the problem, right? You know, when I Chris, think so. when you talk about, you know, I I ask people in this race resilience ally class, I'm like, how many of you have had to drag your friends and relatives out of the riot conversation mm-hmm. because so many people want to focus on the rioting and the looting versus mm-hmm. the meaning of the protest in the first place, right? Right. And I watched the interview with. 
Ava DuVernay and she said it so well. She said that, you know, she had people saying, you know what, I was going to care about your cause, but then you but. stole that pair of jeans mm -hmm. and now I'm out. Mm. And her point is so valid that if you are more concerned about the windows being broken at Target yeah. than a group of people being systematically oppressed, tracked down, murdered for no reason, then right. you need to reevaluate your thinking. You need to reevaluate your, your values. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, ask, we always say in this class, we're like, you know, what is the meaning? Why are people so upset? Why are they in the streets? Instead of judging the protest, ask yourself, what is the why in it? Why are mm -hmm. they so passionate about this? Why are they so upset? And ask more questions. Mm -hmm. But that's many people not wanting to talk about the real meaning of mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Focus on the criminal behavior, mm -hmm. and then I, and then we can make it a people problem and not right. a system problem. Yeah. Yeah. And and absolutely. And individualism that first... does that so naturally. Yeah. Is it's that person? It's it's mm -hmm. not a system. It's those individuals. And I don't mm -hmm. know how you overcome that because mm -hmm. the individualized mentality is so opposite of saying we're all together in this mm -hmm. that that mm -hmm. those two things almost feel like they can't coexist and i mean even richie and i have both experienced as i speak about i've, I've tried to adopt individualism in the last year and mm -hmm. learn and grow in it and when i do it i sound racist sometimes i sound yeah. like i am ignoring the plight mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. i've experienced and that other black people have experienced and and so mm -hmm. it's and Richie's experienced the same of as he speaks more collective, people are saying he's a race traitor mm -hmm. and that he is, you know, stepping out of his whiteness. And it's yeah. it's so difficult to communicate that effectively. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. Mm -hmm. Do you think I, I, I have not come to a conclusion? I don't have any data on it. So but I'm wondering from from my experience, I wonder if it's because uh, of the consequences, if we believe it, if we believe that mm -hmm. there is systemic racism, the consequences mm -hmm. for white people, what that means about us. Mm -hmm. as a group and mm -hmm. in, even individuals like mm -hmm. how I've, I mean I'm curious your thoughts on that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well I think that that if if your definition of a racist is a singular act mm -hmm. um, a horrible thing that you're doing to a black person mm -hmm. um, and uh, specifically targeted them because they're black then that makes us really get fired up and say well that's not me when your definition is so simplistic and so I don't mm -hmm. look at it as if it's what you are it is what you do mm -hmm. uh, and what you say that perpetuates racial superiority and inferiority mm -hmm. so <laughs> I will get emotionally hijacked if I feel like you're attacking my character sure and we really have so many people have bought into that belief that um, you're racist or you're not well right. I teach this for a living and I still have racist thoughts Mm -hmm. I teach this for a living and I still move in certain ways because of programming that yep. I've had for decades. Yes. Right. The key is just catching yourself when mm -hmm. you're doing it. And so I have these um, inappropriate thoughts all the time. And I'm like, well, where did that come from? Where did that mm -hmm. come from? And a lot of it is just not having true facts about history. When we lack the ability, mm -hmm. uh, when we lack facts in history and we, we can't trace from the past to the present, mm -hmm. then we will very quickly say, this is a people problem. This yep. is not my problem. Yep. I can look at the group and look at is at if is personal failure versus the systems that I'm a part of that have been put in place to hold an entire group of people down mm -hmm. that I still I mean I, I sound simple when I say I just don't get this negativity towards I just don't get racism I mean I get how we've been taught it it's sure. been a very effective PR campaign yeah that's what it's been absolutely Absolutely. Yes. And, and looking at the history of it and realizing the impacts that it had not only on well, everybody involved, yeah. really, like the the primary, ancillary, tertiary effects of all mm -hmm. these groups, like the effect of slavery on on poor whites, which is not talked about in, <laughs> in like my more progressive spaces. But it's something uh -huh. that I think a lot of people are feeling mm -hmm. and they say, like, you know, well, I'm broke, too. I, I got yeah. the you know, I've got I've yeah. had white people. I've had a gun pulled in my head. Yeah. You know, what's the mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they, they don't they don't connect the two ideas. Yeah. But yeah. I think it is all part of the same thing for sure mm -hmm. absolutely it is yeah. you know, it so, is. so I, this is this is on a side note as the show typically goes um 
one of our guests was the owner of the company I work for. So he's a very business minded person. And he brought up the fact that, you know, systems operate based on incentives. And, you know, I, I look at some of the positive stereotypes of racism and how you're not incentivized to fight against something like that. And so, you know, not to be crass, but right, there's a black stereotype that fetishizes black men, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not out telling people it's not true. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, a good friend of mine is Jewish and there's, stereotypes of Jewish are going to be financially secure, right? Mm -hmm. She's not Mm -hmm. fighting to say that that's not true. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's something about being in a system that is building you up. You don't Mm -hmm. tear that down. And and so, you know, two white allies who haven't been activated in seeing, you know, those negative portrayals um, because you're incentivized to just be okay with it, right? Mm -hmm. It's very simple to say, you know, I I don't fit into that group of what white is, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt me to say that um, I'm part of that group, essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even the positive stereotypes um, can hurt somebody in that group. Yes. So if I'm a Jewish person that's not doing as well as my Jewish colleagues, then what's wrong with him? Mm-hmm. Or if mm-hmm. I am, a, <clears throat> you know, um, a, a black person who is not athletic, mm-hmm. well, what's wrong with him? So, so there's mm-hmm. the the lack of truth in those get somebody somewhere that's true 100 so the, the, you know the the one key to being an ally is speaking up when people make those stereotypical comments and i hear them all the time and when people ask me what can i do what can i do i'm like put the brakes on it mm. even <laughs> the most subtle inappropriate comment that reinforces a stereotype or if someone says well he's just the admin or she's just the admin put the brakes on that no one's just a whatever mm, right so that p- language is so important to me mm-hmm. and i think that's how the narrative around superiority and inferiority gets perpetrated is because we're not willing to say mm, let's think about that a moment yeah. yeah i'm not really buying that yeah so and, so oh go ahead Rich. Go, okay um so yeah so you bring up superiority and i think that's something that's really that's really interesting and and, and a, a real core piece of all this um i, I am still uncomfortable comfortable and I'll just be I'll be vulnerable in here I'm still uncomfortable with the with the phrase end white superiority I'm for it I work mm-hmm. toward it <laughs> Mm-hmm. But when I hear it, mm-hmm. part of me hears that's an ending of part of what I am or part of my oh, wow. culture or part of something else. Mm-hmm. When I know mm-hmm. that's not true, because mm-hmm. ending white superiority is absolutely what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Really, like any kind of superiority, I think. But mm-hmm. I wonder if people are like me in that, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, or they hear these phrases like Black Lives Matter and then like, well, that means I'm, I'm excluded. Sure. When really it's not, um, it's not the way that I hear it in my head all the time. And I, mm-hmm. and I wonder if other mm-hmm. people struggle with that mm-hmm. when you come across them. When I hear end white supremacy, um, I don't feel the same way you feel, Richie. Sure, sure. sure. <laughs> because white supremacy is so extricably linked for me mm-hmm. to hate mm-hmm. that I go, good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, and that's my behavior, Buck. System. I mean, that's my behavior is good we need to end it but i think internally <laughs> yeah that pops up and it's a, like hmm. yep mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah 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 well i appreciate your honesty and vulnerability mm-hmm. and um yeah I, I am sure many people feel exactly mm-hmm. the same way you do because mm-hmm. ending this does that mean that we're going to give people of color more power i mean mm-hmm. it it really does feel like it's this there's not the scarcity mentality yeah that if we just open up Oof, scarcity. Some, yep. that they're going to get more than we have mm-hmm. and then where are we going to be yeah mm-hmm. and, it's really mm-hmm. a, um, a a sad mindset around it. Yeah. Well, what uh, do you go, go ahead, ahead Bruce. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> full, I'm full of it, man. So yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> Uh, no, but uh, so what what do you you know, Buck, what do you see as a uh, the end of white supremacy? What does that actually look like? What do you mm-hmm. think the real the real life consequences of if if we were able to as a country come mm-hmm. to that place? What does that actually look like? Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll just focus on ending uh, putting a into all of this um, uh, racial in the, all of the beliefs that ri- there's superior races. OK, there I, you go. Yeah. I've said this several times in the last couple of weeks. I'm like, look at all of the 
energy that we are spending trying to um, fight for human rights and civil rights. Look at the fight that black people have been in for hundreds of years. Imagine if there was, if all of that was gone, if all of these negative beliefs about black people were gone uh, and, and it was truly uh, more equitable, imagine what this country could become. Mm-hmm. There's so much fighting in Congress about suppressing minority groups and mm. there's so much tension around you know uh, giving um or just creating more equity in our communities i'm like mm. imagine where we would be if the, all of these people who have these nonprofits, which i'm totally cool, love and appreciate it if they were didn't have to do that work mm. i mean the fight that the fact that black people had to fight mm. to sit in a desk in a school yeah and fight to go to a certain hospital it just blew blows my mind. Mm-hmm. So I think that we could be so much better of a country, you know, from a technology standpoint, mm-hmm. from a healthcare standpoint, mm-hmm. from a vibe standpoint. When I, <laughs> yeah. when I get bad, yeah. bad customer get service from right. a black person, I'm like, I don't blame you. <laughs> I really don't blame you. <laughs> I mean, like, I wouldn't be nice to me either. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like, I'll speak to a black person walking down and they won't speak back. I'm like, I don't blame you. I wouldn't yeah. do it either. I get it. I, I get, get it. it. I love I that. I, I love how you said just the energy. Um, we uh, we had a, a guest on and he was just talking about once he was able to stop fighting against who he was as a person, he got creative energy and just yes. just mm-hmm. was enthused to be and do and, and create. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. If you don't spend all this time propping up some empty thing, you, you can actually put time into the things that actually matter, the things yeah. that improve ourselves as a country and that that sounds exciting like that's a future Mm -hmm. i think we would all want yeah yeah and i'm down for the fight don't you know you hear me correctly right i'm down Mm -hmm. for the fight because i believe everybody deserves equal rights and if we had them just think about what could be happening in this country you know i think about all the the probably billions of dollars Mm -hmm. that are wasted Mm -hmm. when we could be doing so many more wonderful things but in the meantime we've got this battle on our hands to make mm-hmm. sure that people are treated well yeah and fairly absolutely yeah there's a scripture that stands out uh to me that my people are destroyed from lack of vision and i i really think that that wow. that vision of um what what america could be mm-hmm. what what the country could be without racial superiority uh being mm-hmm. something that plights you know that just is a a, a blight on the country yeah um, and has been since it's really for a long long time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, i love that thank you i mean that's mm-hmm. that's really really great that's really mm-hmm. really great um and and <clears throat> it's it's a weird thing it's it's a weird thing to talk about to me too because it's like man it would be great if all this wasn't here and also it's so important that it's here mm-hmm. yeah right, right <laughs> you know right, like right, all this exactly. you know fighting fighting the fight and 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 uh and that kind of thing so that's that's i, great, I hear man. so Thanks. many diversity professionals saying i'm here to work myself out of a job mm-hmm. where i won't be needed to show up at your corporation mm-hmm. and remind you of unconscious bias mm-hmm. and yeah. remind you of the expectation of how everyone is to be treated that is my that is my goal and wow. so it's certainly while why i do the work and people will ask well how is ha- your hat you're doing happiness and then you're doing um, <laughs> unconscious bias and inclusion yeah. there is such a direct line mm. through them both because yeah. who feels more positive emotions at work than anybody else would. It's people who feel included. And mm-hmm. I want people to experience as much happiness and positivity as possible that people who feel included mm-hmm. and feel right. like it's an equitable workplace, an equitable community. So even though when I was jumping into these lanes, I felt my heart was carrying me in the right place. They really are all connected. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you feel like you are up against a battle, we need ways to manage that. And that's where the resilience piece comes in yeah that's awesome all right happy people don't start wars right <laughs> oh absolutely and i also yeah. think people with strong relationships don't go in and murder people yeah you know these yeah. mass killings mm-hmm. i don't believe that these individuals are real popular people right. right i think they have a lot of friends i think they are psychologically isolated and i don't yeah. have data to prove this right this is my belief mm-hmm. i think they 
feel alone in the world. And I think that they have bought into a narrative about a group or a government or, or what they feel like the country is going to be. And mm, that's yeah. when they turn and they start blowing people away. Wow. wow. You know, I'm in Atlanta where the shootings happen this yeah, week. Yeah. And it's just, it's mortified our community and the country. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So sad. So sad. And my, I keep going, you know what, you, you mentioned empathy early on, Chris, you know, I just feel like if people really, truly got to know different types of people that mm -hmm. this would go away. Yeah. yeah. If people yeah. interacted with people who are different than them. Mm -hmm. Yes. hundred percent. Um, well, we, we typically wrap with one question of with the groups that you're in with the diversity space, is there anything that you kind of preach or believe that is different from what the cultural stereotypical DNI mm -hmm. thought process is. Is there something that you kind of go off individually on for yourself? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is my key differentiator is that I support my message of inclusion with evidence-based studies on how when people experience positive emotions, they're more creative, they're mm -hmm. more insightful, they see things that other people don't see. For mm -hmm. instance, the University of Toronto did a study where they brought people into a laboratory and they they split the group in half and they primed half of the group with positive emotions by getting them to think about one of their best days or a success mm -hmm. and they primed the other half of the group with negative and neutral emotions and then they measured them on verbal creativity like they gave them a series of words like tree and forest and green and they had them come up with one word that related to that series of words and what they found consistently is that the people who were primed with positive emotions were more verbally creative than the other groups wow. they tested this experience with positive emotions with doctors, with teenagers who were taking their SATs, with six-year-olds who were putting together blocks. And so my belief is that there is enormous possibilities when people experience positive emotion. It profoundly affects on us. It mm. has profound effects on us. And when people feel good and included at work, they experience those emotions. So oh. let's make sure that we are priming people with positivity every day that we're making a dollar definitely i love that and <laughs> This is a side note, uh, but someone yeah. introduced me to a thing called Gene Keys, and it's a discussion of going from low vibrations to high vibrations, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. negative to positive, and how the same skill or the same gift mm -hmm. shows up in a positive and a negative way. And so yeah. a lot of the things that we're seeing is people in their low vibrations and negative spaces, mm -hmm. and those things have a flip side that could be so beneficial to that vision of what yeah. America could be doing if yeah. we removed all of these things. And I just... Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for that day. Mm -hmm. Yes, wow. yes. So well, Buck, the more yeah, we I'm, can, we'll go ahead, go Richie. Ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, please. I was going to say the more that we can interact uh, and get to know one another, the mm -hmm. more, the closer we get to achieving what you want to achieve. Yeah, Ooh. absolutely. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for that. Well, Buck, how can people? How can people reach out to you, man? How can they uh, see your stuff? Sign up for you Zoom. You can go to my website, which is buckdavis.com. Mm -hmm. You can uh, track me down on Instagram at buckdavis, and I have a YouTube channel. You track me down on uh, Buck Davis. It's kind of Buck Davis all the way okay. around. It's all the right, world man. We'll put, that in, the, we'll put that in the show notes Very and get links and everything. <laughs> well, Buck, That's thank awesome. you so much for being being with us today. And really, I mean, just just an incredible uh, talk. I mean, Chris, thank you for bringing him on, man. Oh, I mean, your so flight welcome. to New York, I mean, led to this. I, I get to be a part of that in some way. And yeah. so, man, it's yeah. just Ten thank years, you. I think it's 10 years later, Chris. Yeah, that sounds about right. Wow. wow. 10 years. Yeah. You never know where friendship will start. Mm -hmm. you Absolutely. Never know. So I and appreciate you guys. I appreciate you hosting this because it's mm -hmm. so important. And I appreciate you inviting me to be a part of it. Of course. Absolutely. Buck, thank you. You were listening to the Imperfect Allies podcast. If you'd like to hear the whole interview, please join us over at Patreon. Ooh, well, okay. <laughs> Man, um, we just finished our conversation with the Buck Davis, and yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm going to be speechless again. I apologize, listeners. Um, Rich, you got to carry this one. I, I'm, Boy, I'm, howdy. I'm well, I mean, I, lots of stuff is <laughs> going through my head. Uh, one of the things really kind of stuck out to me was the vision of, of what he saw as the end to white supremacy. 
because if I get behind that vision, I don't feel that little tick of internalized racism or whatever, like those internal those internal racist me- mechanisms that were in there. I don't feel that tick, right? Because I can be a part of that. And um, I know that was a weird thing to talk about on the show, and uh, and people would might not like me because I said, you know, I I feel that sometimes or have that thought sometimes. Uh, at the same time, I think that there's a lot of people that do, and if we don't talk about those things in in a in a together, if we don't look at that hill together, it's gonna so, it's gonna be so steep mm-hmm. that we won't be able to even even acknowledge uh, that it's there. And so, I mean, man, what a that was first and foremost on my mind. Like, what a vision that we could unlock this idea of creativity, not only in not only in um, like creative spaces, but also like tech and medicine and right, you know, all these different places. Well, so I was listening to um, Real Time with Bill Bill Maher. Maher, yeah, mm-hmm. I always I always say Maher. I don't know if that's right, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, on the w- one of the recent episodes, he was talking about how China is kicking America's butt, mm. um, and they're they're you know you can complain about a lot of the other things they have you know their freedom of speech is totally different from ours and 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 their liberties are different from ours but their their energy and focus towards their their focus towards education their focus towards transportation mm-hmm. their focus towards so many things that benefit their nation mm-hmm. they're not dealing with racism now they do have freedom of speech pushes that they're dealing with right mm-hmm. but i it, it helped me visualize like a like a done picture of what it would look like if we're not focused on these things mm-hmm. and we are just totally thinking of how can we make America great? What can we do? And what what can we build here mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with identity politics, mm-hmm. has nothing to do with what you're born with. It has mm-hmm. everything to do with the consciousness of all of us and us getting to a state where we believe that we can improve each other's lives by yeah. dedication, by education, by love and creativity. And mm-hmm. I, I kept saying I'm excited for that vision because I had never had it before. Yeah. And I, ooh, it's sexy. It's a sexy vision. Like, I'm all about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another thing, too, that popped out uh, to me was his experience in the why it's different now from his, you know, from his chair was the corporate involvement. Mm. And that is really, really interesting because yeah. corporations, by and large, um, you know, the Republican Party would say that they were, they were the party for the corporation. Correct. Right. So yeah. that that's they want they want they don't want regulations. You know, they won't they want they don't want them taxed. They don't they want that. That's how the market works. They want they want them to be as free as possible and how their involvement was vital to what is happening now. That's the kind of thing that, that it's a bridge topic that we don't talk about. The left doesn't want to talk about how great corporations are no. or, you know, or, or you know, and the, and the right doesn't want to talk about how great government is like, you know, those kind of things. But those, you know, seeing that bridge, that's really really interesting to me and, it, and it's probably it's probably a lot of progressive people in leadership I would assume but it could be conservative people too I don't know well, so I, I'm sure a lot of people through the way you and Buck expressed experience of watching George Floyd die in mm-hmm. front of all of us mm-hmm. you know I think that regardless of your voting that really struck a chord with you I mean I you, I heard so many people of course say the I was on your side until this you know mm-hmm. but that that still doesn't say that they aren't going to be curious about what they can do at work that is right. D&I focused. That just might mean, and I, I've heard this from so many people, and I can't argue with it, they don't want to support Black Lives Matter, the, right. the organization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't make them inherently racist because they can't connect with this organization. If they're for the cause, they just don't like how they go about their cause. Sure. And and so you That's know, even I can hard, see... right? That's even hard to say, right? Like, you gotta, be, you gotta be for or against. You can't, the nuance of that understanding, there's no place for it. Not yeah, not we're yet, all or anyway. all or nothing, right? Yeah, now. yeah, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate because mm-hmm. what what I'm noticing and what, it's frustrating for me because I am an all or nothing kind of person. Yeah, uh, I, like <laughs> it's it's my mentality <laughs> me too, as a man. as a teacher. We talk about how all or nothing mentality can lead to lagging and lack of progression mm-hmm. because what that means is when you have an opportunity to grow, if you don't think that you'll be successful in that exact moment, then you won't even take the step. You won't even try. You won't be willing to fail because mm-hmm. it's all or nothing, and I don't believe I can. 
can get all of it. So let me stop now. Mm. And it's very negative. And so, you know, understanding that there's nuance and that there's small steps, baby steps, that mm. is very valuable to start seeing for your sanity, for your progress. Like if you're mm. a progressive and you're all or nothing, you're not progressing, unfortunately, mm. right? Mm. You are just fighting a wall and you are complaining that the wall is there instead mm. of going, hey, I think we could remove one brick today, mm-hmm. one brick tomorrow mm-hmm. and just take our time tearing this thing down. And maybe someone on the other side will go, hey, I think we should help. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah. Let me get a brick. <laughs> let me grab a hey, oh, oh, we grabbing bricks. Oh, OK. You know, but unfortunately, I know like, that has we, a connotations but but yeah i mean that's true i mean yeah absolutely absolutely and i and it yeah that all or nothing man that's a that's a killer it sets you up to fail all the time every time every time and not and, failing up but failing yeah, down yeah 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 it's a, you don't you, you know i don't learn anything from all or nothing thinking <laughs> i never have studies show that no one does mm. nobody mm. benefits from that mm-hmm. and it's it's a very and i hate i hate using terms like this but i haven't found a, a synonym yet but it's an immature thought process Mm -hmm. and i don't mean that as in you're an adolescence or you're a child or i'm talking down or being condescending Mm -hmm. condescending i I, it just truly means that you have more room to grow in that area yeah and then you will see growth in other areas absolutely man and and this i mean i got lots of in my head but the third thing that really popped in my head was i got to see a white guy around the age of people that i consider like my parents age or whatever else talking about race in a way that his diversity inclusion stuff and the positivity and the I mean that this is all fantastic but when he said you know what when a black person is a customer service rep and they get you know give me a hard time or they don't and I go you know what yeah I get it (laughs) that talking about race is is the kind of stuff I mean that that's something that's that's new that's not I'm not familiar with (laughs) yeah I see with white people talking in that way and it's in it and it's talking in a race in a a way about race that I hear black people talking about race Mm -hmm. and that they their understanding of that that impact because regardless if white people like you know white people brush up against racism in different ways than black people in the country right. right now but i think that there are real real severe consequences for whites when we allow these systems to continue and th- th- uh, those may go unseen and it, it's not part of the conversation at all mm-hmm. and i think that that's detrimental yeah. i don't know how to talk about it because like i said that's the first white guy i've met this whole year that's ever t- talked to that way (laughs) is buck Um, (laughs) you know i think buck kind of alluded to it of you know even the positive stereotypes are negatively impacting somebody and Mm -hmm. so the issue with that is it's not your experience right Mm -hmm. unless you're directly getting hit with it you have no clue so you know um talking about the non-athlete i'm i'm an athlete Mm -hmm. i've been an athlete so you know i'm i'm also have no longer been an athlete in Mm -hmm. the same sense and so i have experienced the idea of someone assuming i'm an athlete but i can go no yeah I mean, I, I could bang with anybody if I want to. If I want to go at it, I just didn't choose that as a career. Mm-hmm. But I'm an athlete, right? Mm-hmm. But what if I never had any athletic pursuit, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm not pushing back against that narrative saying it's wrong. I'm just mm-hmm. saying like, oh, yeah, it's kind of right. You know, I'm I'm even building it up and be like, no, yeah, for sure, right? And mm-hmm. it's tricky to think, hey, what you're saying, it doesn't negatively impact me. But mm-hmm. there are others that this could demonize. And so mm-hmm. I just want you to know that that stereotype isn't something that you should continue. And it's a spectrum. We're all different. And I think you should know that. I've never said those words in my life. (laughs) Mm. You know, anytime someone brings up race and athleticism, I'm like, yeah, you know. You know what's real, you know. Like, so, so I understand. Yeah. I understand completely. That's okay. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, listeners, thanks for sticking with us through all this. Uh, I hope y'all reach out to Buck. Just a fantastic dude. Um, you know, and if you if you can if you can think about subscribing to um, the podcast, to subscribing or becoming a patron. It's five dollars a month. It's one it's one tier. Uh, you you have access to candid conversations and to the live shows uh, every week. So uh, please, if you can please pitch in five bucks it's the best way to support what chris and i are doing and um yeah i mean if you can't if you don't have money leave us five stars on that on apple uh podcasts i mean it's that does really help push up yeah. our um push up our show and get us new listeners and and it's going to get us in more trouble and more mess so you <laughs> might as well do it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that we're gonna have to wade through. <laughs> and now, now you know, Rich, we got a vision. We have a yeah. world that we're fighting for. And, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, man. I just, I'm excited. So I'm thank excited y'all for too. listening, yeah. Rich. Always a pleasure. Um, oh. Guess we just leave as we usually do with a peace. All right, man. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Imperfect Allies podcast. If you get the chance, please rate us five stars and comment and subscribe. 